Hey, welcome to Pull the Thread Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Douglas. I'm a celebrity tailor, a wild mustang tamer, and an entrepreneur. I managed to take a Brother Project Runway Home sewing machine and built a six-figure sewing business that supports a life I love, and I hop behind the mic to show you that you can do the same thing too. I am documenting all of my experiences in building my own little honey empire, complete with mess ups and mistakes and experiments and celebrations so that you can shortcut to success faster. So you ready? Let's dive into the episode. Man, welcome back. (laughs) Episode 14, I am only just now getting to record this episode after traveling abroad for a little bit. I took a bit of a sabbatical for my birthday and went to Paris, Italy, and Norway. And so I'm back with a fresh new perspective. I'm well-slept, absolutely well-fed. I don't believe any of the clothes that I have made myself to fit perfectly are fitting right now, and that's okay because you know what? Your girl's happy. (laughs) So anyways, let's dive into this episode. And who would I be if I didn't start with a story? So in 1777, on America's first 4th of July celebration, fireworks were actually only one color orange. There were no elaborate sparkles, no red, white, and blue stars, nothing more than a few glorified, although uplifting, explosions in the sky. Like many inventions, fireworks were created by accident, but this invention came about during a search for immortality. Around 200 BC, the Chinese unintentionally invented firecrackers, by tossing bamboo into the fire. (laughs) But it took another thousand years before true fireworks came alive. Now, as the story goes, around 800 AD, an alchemist mixed sulfur, charcoal, and potassium nitrate, which is a food preservative, hoping to find the secret to eternal life. Now, instead, (laughs) the mixture caught on fire, and the alchemist, he became the inventor of gunpowder. When the powder was packed into bamboo and lit on fire, history had its first fireworks. Now, if you attended a fireworks show in 800 AD, it would be unlike anything we see today. Paper fireworks were used to scare evil spirits or celebrate weddings and births, and they were simply thrown into a fire, not blasted into the air. There were no extra added colors, so a fireworks show was really just a series of small and loud explosions. The chemistry was an accidental discovery. And there was a really long way for it to go still. Now, unsurprisingly, it wasn't long before the military adopted gunpowder. By 1200, China built its first rocket cannons using gunpowder to aim and blast projectiles at their enemies. Now, off the battlefield, however, this tech led to something truly beautiful, the first aerial fireworks. Gunpowder ended up traveling west when European and Arabian diplomats and missionaries began visiting China around this time. And like their Chinese counterparts, Western engineers were also developing weapons, this time muskets, cannons, but continued to develop fireworks, and they became larger and more elaborate. Now, if you attended a fireworks show in 1600, the science would not have been much different from ancient China, but it was way more entertaining because now it was used for military victories and religious events and royal celebrations. And aerial fireworks, which were still plain orange, (laughs) were run by firemasters, and their assistants were called green men. (laughs) Before the show, the green men, named for the leaves that they wore to protect themselves from all of the sparks, would tell jokes to the crowd while they prepared the celebration. If you're an entrepreneur, sometimes 
in your marketing strategy, you genuinely feel like a green man. You're covering yourself in green leaves. You're telling jokes. You're lighting off fireworks. You're setting off bombs just trying to drive attention to the product or the service that you create. I completely understand you. Oftentimes in business, entrepreneurs, creatives especially, they feel the need to come with tons of flash. They could be the loudest or the brightest online or the most dramatic, like being the person that's jacking up their sales numbers and adding with every call to action, these astronomical results focused numbers like millions served or thousands of happy customers or five figure months. Ugh, like it's, it's really fatiguing. But if you want to sell products or book clients, you have to be that way, right? No, I'm here to tell you, actually, you really don't. In fact, over time, you'll do more in sales and bookings by whispering to the few rather than screaming to the masses about your craft-based or creative work. Most people's fear is that the moment they get quieter in their marketing, their sales will trickle off. But in my opinion, getting quieter can mean being way more strategic, which brings me to my first point. Be as specific as possible about the clients or the customers that you're trying to reach. When I first started selling my sewing services, I made a point to post about every single product that I did or project, which for the most part was bridesmaids dresses. Oddly enough, week after week, I would get more and more requests to tailor, hem, or adapt bridesmaids dresses. I even decided to write a blog titled, How to Make a Bridesmaids Dress Fit. <laughs> which was the number one bridesmaid-related phrase searched in Google. Now, it was pretty smart marketing on my part. However, I didn't really think it through. <laughs> if someone was searching anything about bridesmaids' dresses, my sweet little blog was the first thing to come up. I easily had enough requests just in the Nashville area to tailor bridesmaids' dresses full-time. Problem is, I hated bridesmaids' dresses. I just liked money. What you share, you attract, whether it be in an Instagram post or a blog, or yes, even what you tell your friend at book club on Tuesday night about a project that you were working on this week, because subliminal messaging, it sticks and you have to be very clear about what your message is saying. For me, my dream job was tailoring rock stars and creating custom one of a kind stage pieces for them. So I started sharing more about custom work. And when I finally got to work on an actual rock star, I shared about that too. Obviously in a manner appropriate, like the entertainment industry, it's super delicate about privacy versus publicity. But when you learn what's appropriate and how to share about it, right, that's, that's when I started getting more of that kind of work. Now, if you're just starting out, it's really easy to say that you do everything, anything with a sewing machine. Um, if you say, if you say language like this, if this is what you use, it's actually coming from a place of scarcity. And I promise you, it will clutter up your thinking. It's going to muddy up your strategy. So the first step in attracting your dream clients or more customers is getting really clear about who you want your message to speak to. Is it the bride who just wants to trust that they're not going to get taken advantage of and have every little detail of the most important dress they'll ever wear be covered for their big day? Is it the daughter canvassing Etsy looking for the perfect gift for mom? Maybe it's the stylish cool girl looking for cool, good quality clothing and she's willing to spend money on pieces that are trendy and timeless. You wouldn't market to these three people the same way, would you? Of course not. But so often, creative businesses, online strategies seem to divide themselves into two categories, the loud and the quiet, 
rather than all of the other categories that they could be. Your brand could follow the aesthetic of the ruler, the magician, the lover, the sage, the explorer, the outlaw, the hero, the everyman, the innocent, the jester, like the creator. You don't have to just be loud (laughs) or quiet. This is my second point. Learn what your voice sounds like when your clients read it, how it looks visually, how it communicates timely news, how it communicates evergreen information. I have had so many moments where the things that I've written has knocked my own socks off only for a close friend or a family member to read it over and just completely decimate it with confusion. It's important here to be sensitive to your tone and how you come across in your marketing materials. Now, unless your brand is meant to be sarcastic, your tone can't be too dry. This is actually something that I see really often, like brands don't realize that their copy is reading too serious or dry or too light when they comment on issues outside of their scope. That's something that's been really, really popular lately Um, or maybe not taking enough time to like collect their thoughts before sharing them. Uh, I, I highly recommend getting on Fiverr and finding a copywriter to help you communicate your brand clearly in a way that matches the archetype and the aesthetic you've set for it. And then find your consistency showing up as the brand that you intend to be received as. Like if your goal is to be the party girl, your content should reflect it. I think my friend Kristen, um, I always think of her when I think of this, this type of brand. She owns a fitness studio here in Nashville called Studio Goddess, and often it entertains bachelorettes and private parties, and her social media makes it feel like there is a party going on over there 24-7. Like, I'm literally jealous at my own job in my own business because when I see her content, it's playful and fun and joyful, and it calls in exactly who she wants it to call to. She doesn't just want any soon-to-be bride. No, she wants the bride who happens to be the life of the party. The one who comes with five to seven chicks who had matching t-shirts made. The one that likes to make a scene. That's who she's speaking exactly to. And you can feel that in her marketing. It's so apparent and it's so obvious. But anytime I see that exact shade of pink anywhere or the confetti, I actually think of Kristen. Now that's really good branding. People message me whenever they interact with a horse or they see horse girl related content. Like they'll send me reels on Instagram of pilot jokes and private aircraft memes because they know that I'm learning how to fly a plane because I'm sharing about these things and I'm humanizing the brand. I use those things that are outside of my business in order to help people connect with me long before they would ever, if ever, become a client. What are you known for? Not what you do. What are you known for? Are you, are you creating contextual ways that people connect with you outside of your work? Because that's actually one of the most powerful things that you can do to attract people that you adore to become your clients. Which brings me to my third way to attract more dream clients. Share what makes you tick. Your life is not just your job. Your identity is far more than what you sell and who you sell it to. Years ago, when I started the process of taming my wild Mustang Sterling, I would regularly post photos of my work with her to Instagram. 
people in my industry, like in the music industry, would routinely see me share this journey. And inevitably, an artist who is also big into horses was in need of a tailor. Her friend would regularly see my photos of my journey with Sterling because we were mutual friends. And she remembered. So she ends up showing this artist all of those little tiles on my Instagram. This is years ago. The highs and the lows that I was sharing. Everything from the first moment that I climbed on, completely terrified, to the crushing feelings of driving home one day, not thinking that I was cut out for it. When Sterling was throwing like a very dangerous adolescent temper tantrum. And it's like, you know, imagine a temper tantrum in a four-year-old, but if that four-year-old weighs 2,000 pounds and has four hooves and does not respect you or care about, you know, hurting you. So anyways, I would share things like this all the time. Now the artist immediately said, her, I want her. That's my kind of people right there. And it wasn't my work that she fell in love with. Honestly, I'd only had a couple years of experience in tailoring at that point. It didn't matter It mattered more to that artist that she connected with who that person was. You have to share who you are. Don't hide behind the screen. I am challenging you to show up in the world today as the you whose biggest goal is to attract their dream client this week. How would that person show up in their email list on Instagram, in Pinterest pins, in their very own podcast? So in summary, number one, my first tip. Be specific about exactly who you are trying to reach with your product or your service. No more vague language. Speak what you seek until you see what you said. Number two, learn the language. That's a really, really loud one for me. As somebody who just came back from Europe, it's interesting just how much more enriched our experience was because I spoke just enough Italian to help us out in restaurants and uh subway stations and like everywhere that we needed to go because I spoke just enough of the language to be respectful to whoever I was speaking to. You can't roll up to somebody and just start yammering on in your native language and assume that they speak your language in their country if it's a foreign language. And it's the same way in marketing. So you've got to learn the language of your audience. And in addition, check your tone, use words and phrases that would fit into the normal conversation in your ideal client's peer group. Number three, share what makes you tick. If you sell products, come out from behind the screen. Share your face and the things that you love. You may love thrifting or hiking with your family or running alongside your very own little horse. Whatever it is, you will absolutely pull out people who know, like, and trust you. People who just get you by being more transparent about who you are and what you're about. I hope this episode was beneficial to you. I'm cheering you on. I can't wait to hear about the dream clients that you are calling in if you take action on these three tips. These are the three things I've implemented over the last five years in my business. I've watched them work and draw my dream clients to me with what feels like pure magnetism, even though it's strategy. That's really what it just comes down to. That's it for now. I'll catch you next week on episode 15 of Pull the Thread.